Welcome, friends and church leaders, to another episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, a weekly podcast that offers support for church and ministry leaders. I'm your host, Carrie Holton. Last week in this podcast, I encouraged us to be people of the book, to be people who know God's word. I hope that you heard that one. People who are serious students of the sacred writings. But also, I was trying to encourage us to be people who look to the Bible as the norm or standard by which we measure ourselves. After all, that book contains the will of God for our lives and gives us the model of the greatest person who ever lived, the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. I said in that podcast episode, let's be people then who view the Bible as our authoritative guide for what we believe and practice. That was last week. In this week's episode, I want to take that idea one step further. I want to encourage us to look to the Bible alone as our religious authority. To accept the Bible alone as one's religious authority. This is what the early leaders of the 19th century American Restoration Movement meant with their clarion call, No Creed But the Bible. Take Barton W. Stone, for example. Stone was a Presbyterian minister in the early 1800s in the regions of Virginia, North Carolina, and Kentucky. One of the creedal formulations of the Presbyterian Church, based as it was on Calvinism, declared that a human being was totally depraved and could do nothing to be saved. He or she could only hope that God saw fit to call him or her into his heavenly kingdom. If God saw fit to call him or her, he would do so. But if God didn't see fit, that person was lost, and there was nothing that person could do about it. But Stone and a group of fellow ministers said that God loved people and wanted all people to be saved. They said that the gospel is God's power to save and that it contains sufficient evidence to produce faith in the honest inquirer. If a person believed and obeyed the gospel, he could be saved, they said. Well, this was enough for the Calvinistic Presbyterians to consider Stone a heretic. In 1804, Stone and four other men withdrew themselves from the Synod of Kentucky. Then they set up a presbytery of their own, which they called the Springfield Presbytery, and sent letters to the churches telling them of their views. That document came to be known as the Apology of the Springfield Presbytery, and it expressed their total abandonment of all authoritative creeds except the Bible. But it didn't take long for the group to realize that their newfound presbytery did not contribute to Christian unity, which was their aim, and was a handicap to their work. So, on June 28, 1804, they wrote one of the classic documents of the Restoration Movement, the last will and testament of the Springfield Presbytery. The document showed the sincerity and honesty which characterized Stone in wanting to give up everything of human origin in religion and take only the Bible. Here are a couple of quotations from that document. We will that our power of making laws for the government of the church and executing them by delegated authority forever cease that the people may have free course to the Bible. We will that the people henceforth take the Bible as the only sure guide to heaven 
and as many as are offended with other books, which stand in competition with it, may cast them into the fire if they choose, for it is better to enter into life having one book than having many to be cast into hell. Another of the classic documents of the Restoration Movement was a document penned by Thomas Campbell in 1809. It was called Declaration and Address. I want you to listen to proposition number three of that document. Thomas wrote, Nothing ought to be inculcated upon Christians as articles of faith, nor required of them as terms of communion, but what is expressly taught and enjoined upon them in the word of God. Nor ought anything to be admitted as of divine obligation in their church constitution and managements, but what is expressly enjoined by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles upon the New Testament church. You say, we have no creed but the Bible. We have no man-made creeds in our church. We believe only what the Bible teaches, and I would respond, good for you. But I'll tell you, I have found that it is all too easy for our opinions and preferences to become traditions and our traditions to become rules and our rules to become beliefs that we bind on others and which we invariably use to delineate the faithful from the unfaithful, the loyal to God from the disloyal to God. And we do all of this without a biblical basis. Jesus himself spoke of the danger of this happening in religious systems in Mark chapter 7, didn't he? When he renunciated the scribes and Pharisees who were honoring the traditions of the elders over the commands of God. Here's an illustration of what I'm talking about. It comes from a letter dated August 1st, 1959, which I found in Monroe Hawley's book, Redigging the Wells, a wonderful book. I highly recommend it on undenominational Christianity. And even though that letter was written over 50 years ago, I'll tell you, it sounds so relevant. It's a letter written by a church who wanted to put together a church directory. And here's that letter. Brethren, we wish to compile and publish a list of loyal congregations. We want to make a directory of local congregations for the benefit of the traveling brethren who wish to worship with loyal congregations. Secondly, for the benefit of brethren who are desirous of moving to a loyal congregation. To compile this directory, we need the following information. Describe every act of worship in your assemblies. Describe your position on the communion. Do you have one or two communions on Sunday? Do you use only one cup and loaf? Do you fellowship the Sunday school or cups brethren? Do you fellowship the old paths advocate or other digressives? Do you advocate any doctrine or act of worship that is called a hobby by most of the brotherhood? If you want to be counted among the honored few, give us correct answers to all of our questions. Otherwise, you will be left out of our directory. Are you living in a state of division, having pulled off from another congregation? Please answer all questions. Do you contend that the cup must have a handle on it? 
Do you contend that the cup must not have a handle on it? As Holly wrote, were it not so tragic, most of us would regard it, this letter, humorously. Frankly, he wrote, the Apostle Paul would not meet this test. It is impossible to find the scripture in which he discusses whether the cup must have a handle. While this quotation will seem ridiculous to most of us, it outlines in bold relief the fallacy of selecting a group of questions, often inconsequential, as a means of determining whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We may laugh at some of the things in that letter, but it could be that we ourselves have been guilty of formulating our own litmus tests of who is and who is not loyal to God. Tests which, by the way, may have no biblical basis whatsoever. Let us once again pledge to abandon all authoritative creeds except the Bible, viewing Scripture alone as our religious authority. Let us refuse to be bound by the inflexible creeds and opinions of men, and let us refuse to bind on others what God has not bound. Let's be and allow others to be what the Scriptures say we are in Christ. For freedom, Christ has set us free, Paul wrote in Galatians 5. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery.